0: I think last week, as a preacher, felt like a really powerful, anointed message. I don't know if it felt that way to you, but some weeks I feel flat. and feel like God didn't speak enough, and people go, that was the best thing ever. And then, and then, and then the weeks I feel like God really touched this. I, you don't hear any feedback. They're like, mm, okay, when's lunch? But I don't know who was here last week that felt like this was special, This 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 thing about Moses even from infancy being being reserved for for calling is so cool because even before he he wasn't a decision maker in it he was already being withdrawn out of bad to withdrawn back into good so he could grow up to do what God wanted. You know you can you can run from God all you want but eventually he's going to catch you. Jonah Eventually, he's going to catch you. It is not that he's, he's, he's trying to hold you. It's that we're fighting God's will here on earth to do our thing. And when your light bulb goes off in sync with God's light bulb, this thing called a revelation happens. And you're like, now I get why I'm here. Now my life has value again. I'm not saying it doesn't have value without understanding that, but it will have more value than you could ever imagine. Like more value than the material thing that wears off after it's no longer new. This never wears off. And so this is what's happening to Moses. And we're in week two. And this is kind of a depressing (laughs) How many are encouraged? This is kind of a depressing passage, but man, God was shouting at me. I was so fired up, Vince, that I was ready to come last night and just stand here. And uh, I didn't know chocolate has caffeine, and I ate like a lot of chocolate last night, and I did not sleep. So I'm going, okay? I could have been here the whole time. Uh, I'm on this new diet. It's really healthy. It's called Eat Chocolate at Bed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm serious. Anyway. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. When you have it in your digital Bible brains, like Elon Musk would say, say amen. All right. Now, Moses is older here. Last week, he was a baby in the reeds. Now he's grown a little bit. I'm not saying he's to his calling yet. He's definitely not leading the Israelites yet, but he's being prepared. Remember, Moses was born an Israelite Hebrew baby who was then raised up by an Egyptian daughter of Pharaoh. So he like had a secret, secret dual citizenship. Unlike Paul, who had an open dual citizenship, Roman and uh, Israel, Israelite. Moses was secretly an Israelite. Nobody was supposed to know that's who he really was, but you know, you can't hide who you really are. I preached on this a few days ago on a video. I don't know. You don't have to tell people what you are because eventually they're going to tell you what you are because it's going to show. You know what I mean? And so this is what's happening here. It's starting to show who he is, and, and he can't suppress who he is, and that's why this is so good, and I felt like sometimes God whispers a word, and this time he was screaming it at me. He was screaming at me, and I'm going, man, And something else that's been happening to me the last few weeks is like this has been a little different for me. And I know this probably doesn't sound spiritual, but the last few weeks, there's like a theme that's just jumping off the paper right before the message. The message has been in preparation for months, but right before the experience, there's a theme that starts leaping out hours before. And that didn't used to happen to me like that. And now it's getting really strong. And so I feel like, okay, that's the word. I think it's becoming seasoned and sanctified and in the process. So let's go there. Verse 11 says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. Remember, they're in Egypt. His people are Israelites, and they are slaves under the Egyptians who he is acting as if he is an Egyptian, right? I mean, Pharaoh's daughter, his, his mom, he's, he's living a bougie life by this point good good school, good everything. He's getting first class everything because of his stature under his, his uh, surrogate mother. So he sees his Egyptian, his Israelite brothers and sisters hard at work and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. I always think this is funny. Looking this way and looking that way, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go? He killed the Egyptian and hid him under the sand. Doesn't that sound so lovely? Like it's so, you know, he looked both ways, killed him, buried him in the sand. I buried a uh, jellyfish in the sand once. Can I just say that's the only thing I've probably killed in a long time. But it was them or me. So I took that thing and I, my kids, get, get away from my kids. Jellyfish, anyway. That's funny, this is not, this is serious. He killed an Egyptian. He became a murderer. And he hit him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. Now, these are his own people now. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Mm Mm-hmm. We saw you. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have had been known. You know, you fight in your own family, even your own people fight. You, you fight in your own household. You, you, you fight with those you love, sometimes for good reason. But here, here were his own brothers and sisters fighting with each other. And then they turned on him. And they, they kind of like got snarky with him. He said, who, who made you judge over us? Are you thinking that killing, killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, what I, must, what I did must have been known. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. Look to your neighbor and say, Midian, where he sat down by a well. All right, well, that's a pretty simple way to approach Midian. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs <clears throat> to water their father's flock. Back then, that's what their sprinkler system was, okay? They didn't have irrigation. They went and got the well, and they did stuff with it to feed the flock. Some shepherds came. Along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to the rescue and watered their flock. I'm gonna to touch on this later why he drove them away, the, the shepherds, but it's not relevant at this moment. What matters is the, girls, the, the daughters were being challenged and Moses protected them. When the girls returned to Roel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where he is, and where is he? Rule asked his daughters, why did you leave him instead of inviting him over here to have, like, dinner or something? Moses agreed to stay with the man, and, gave his daughter, and the man gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. That was fast. <laughs> Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Now, let me just summarize that the humor in this is actually because it's, it's covering a broad time span. It's not just everything's instant. But what we see here is Moses never stopped being who he was. When it worked for him and when it got him in trouble, he never stopped being who he was. Because you can't, you can't stop being who you were meant to be. I titled this message of week two in Moses Moments, When Your Problem is Preparation. When your problem is preparation. The biggest mistake we make as Christians is that when we endure something that seems unfair or not of God, we immediately assume that God wasn't there for us. And it must be the enemy because it was unfavorable to how we felt. It didn't feel good. It doesn't always feel good. Good things don't always feel good. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we know that even when it doesn't feel good, and even when it doesn't feel fair, it is for the good that God has called us to, to prepare us according to his purpose. That's why we preach purpose. It's like a really good 2022 buzzword. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Rick Warren, you know, The Purpose Driven Life. Then he wrote The Purpose Driven Church, The Purpose Buzzword. What do we do with that? It's found through the process. And the process is often mislabeled by us as the problem. (laughs) This is so good. This is so good, Jen. It's so good. I got to quit saying that too. I'm going to put that on my notes next time. But I'm here to tell you today that the problem you may be in Is actually your process. God is setting you up today, or someone you know, for something that is shining with His glory on the other side. And if you take your problem and you rename it process, it won't feel so pointed at me like this, like I'm bad, everything else is good. It's like, no, I'm being refined. When you're going through a process, you're being refined. When you're in a problem, you're the target. Feel the difference? But there's no difference. Because never, says the Bible, did God grow somebody through a day at the beach playing on Amazon in the thing that you rent that's overpriced. Never. It's not in there. Because you'll never grow through that. You're not refined through taking it easy. You need a break once in a while, but you never are done being refined by God. Until his great church is done on this earth. Even when you're gone, your ancestors are continuing on your problem, I mean, process. They're carrying on your prob- process. See how I'm doing that? Get the devil's lie out of your head and get God's word in your head that that is not a problem, that is God's process. <laughs> They're feeling this, Jen. It's good. Moses was not being punished. I feel like Moses here was like uh, Ben Stiller in Meet the Parents. You remember, you remember when he, like, couldn't get on the airplane or something? And the, the, the lady's like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Tick-a-tick. And she's typing. And then they're shutting the door. And he's, like, so innocent in the situation. Like, everything that happened to him, he meant well, but it's like he was always at the short end of the stick. I feel like Moses was kind of here. Here he's trying to protect his own brethren, and then they kicked him in the behind for it because he killed somebody. He was actually trying to protect his family. And then he had to flee his own. He became a foreigner. He named his own baby, Gershom, because they called me a foreigner, and now I'm in a foreign land. They treated me like a foreigner. Now I'm in a foreign land because my own people were going to take me out. Has anybody else ever felt like that? <laughs> Welcome to ministry. Welcome to ministry. Welcome to serving God. It's a lonely place sometimes, but when you remember that this is a process and not a problem, you'll look at it different. You can clap. That's good. I like this. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right, we're going to keep that theme going. Whatever I got to do every week forward, that's what we're doing. Moses wasn't being punished. He was being prepared. And so by this scenario in Exodus 2, now you can know when your problem is preparation. When your problem is preparation. Well, that's nice, PJ, but what do we do when we actually have to deal with it after the message is done, the Starbucks were off, and now we're back to our grumpy old self. We say it's not fair, so it's not God. It's not fair. It's not God. If it was God, he would have bailed me out, yet God allowed it. Sometimes it's not fair because it's God. Well, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. God did it. God allowed it. I'm not saying God sent it. God allowed it. Look at Job. If you got something to complain about, just go compare yourself to Job. I don't think the man could have lost anything more, including his own children. Yes, he lost that too, but he never stopped being faithful. You know why? Because God said, "Go ahead, devil, try it." Job's faithful, and Job will endure. So God clearly allowed an unfair situation because of process. It wasn't a problem. We use fairness as a measure for God's involvement. (laughs) That's backwards. Fairness is like a talent show, unfortunately. It's rigged. Does that make sense? Anybody ever been in a talent show and you know you won, but somehow that other kid did? I'm not bitter. Skateport Plaza circa 1991. I got a free Slurpee instead of the $25 pre-Amazon cash money or whatever, because that kid had more friends. That's not how it works, though. Fairness is not how God measures. The world measures by fairness. And that's their own standard. God measures by purpose. And in order to actually take you to a real place of fulfillment, you got to go through unfair seasons that feel that way when really they're God's system of development. We may forget we weren't judged by what was fair because we're a sinner. We're born into sin. I hate to say it, but Camilla is a sinner. Now, I know she isn't not aware. Let me get this straight here before I get an email. Let's clarify that a child is not accountable for sin until they are aware that they are a sinner. That's why we wait for baptism. Because until you believe and know that Christ is, we don't want to dunk you. Because we want you to know in your heart that you had a cutting from the sin in your life. And that even a little kid can sin. But until they recognize that, we wait. We teach. But we are born into this thing called the curse of sin. I'm going to tell you a funny story here. This is I think it's funny. It's funny in hindsight. It wasn't funny in the moment. You know, back, Allison, I know kids are packing toy, they're packing toy heat nowadays, but back in the day, we had to use our fists, use ninja weapons. How many wanted to be a ninja? Any, anybody wanted to be a ninja when they're a kid? Now I see where Blaine gets it. So good. Both the mom and the dad. So, so we had a regimented ninja training in my basement, just so you know. This is before the turtles, okay? This is like real ninjas, ninja magazine, mom, can I get the sword out of the magazine that could kill a person, It was $60 back then. Never got it. So one day, I used to get teased by this neighbor kid, uh, Courtney H. I won't say his last name. And, And, yeah, I used to kind of make fun of him because his name was Courtney. And I said, your name's Courtney. You're a guy. Like, sorry if your name's Courtney. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying this is the ignorant kid I was. And so he didn't really like that, and probably I deserved, you know, what he did to me. But one day, you know, he, he, would, he would, like, pick on me. They'd make fun of my nose, believe it or not. They'd make fun of stuff that, like, I'd never tell you about, but I had my own issues. And we'd get off the bus together, and everybody was split to their own house. Does anybody remember getting off the bus and, like, going to your own? Remember when people rode the bus? It's the greatest place to learn everything good in life, says the devil. <laughs> homeschooled. Can I get an amen, Allison? Yes, so anyway, uh, so, so we got off the bus, and we lived down on the bottom in Chesterfield, the bottom of this hill, and, and Andrew uh, Souk lived at the top hill, and that's where the bus stop was, and then Kent lived next door, and then Courtney lived across the cul-de-sac, and Courtney was a year older, me and Andrew in the same grade, and then Kent was a couple below us. And so we'd get off the bus, and every day there was like this, this bullying teasing of me. I was always the nice one. I would always invite the kids into play, and then they'd be really mean, and they'd all go do something, and they wouldn't let me take part. And so I worked on my ninja skills, and eventually I said, I had enough of this. <laughs> so we got off the bus, right? And, and I, don't know, I don't know really how it started, Jen. There's something in all of us that's a little Moses that you don't know how it starts, but you know how it ends, because before you know it, Big Courtney's sitting on top of little Jeffy, and, and I'm like, can't move. He was like three of me. Can I say that? Is that the politically correct way to say it? And, and so he's, he's on top of me, and I, I remember the grass going in my f- ears and my face, and I'm like, I can't get this kid off me. The, the, the ninja moves didn't do anything like I thought they would. I was ready to do the, the, you know, the, the crane, didn't do nothing. And so I'm on the ground, and, and, and the kids are like, ha, oh, look at Jeff. He's so dumb. He's fighting Courtney. And then, boom, Courtney's off of me. Like, did, did a mighty rushing wind co- come? No, my big brother did. Vince, you know, Sean, he didn't mess around back then. I was the easygoing ones. He didn't mess with, with my brother. And so my brother was seven years older than me, so he was like in high school. He was like a giant compared to us. And, and I remember Courtney, I felt so bad, he started crying because my brother just drilled him so hard because my brother was just saving me. He wasn't trying to hurt the kid. And I remember, I remember just like, like, boom. And, and what's, funny, what's funny is for years it became Oh, Jeff, your brother going to come save you again? Are you connecting this? Here Moses did try to save his brethren, and now they're like, oh, you going to kill us too? For years, I couldn't shake that little stigma that I had to call. Listen, I didn't call him. He saw me and wanted to help his brother because he loves his brother, because there's loyalty with your family. And you can't stop that from signaling. When the fight or flight kicks on, you got to go. It don't matter. He didn't go, well, should I do this? I see my little brother getting buried in the grass. Boom. It's like a switch. And, and, and that's, that's how Moses was. He couldn't stop who he was. Anybody else ever had a little backyard incident? Okay. It's normal, right? Uh, Christine was sending me this really cool, like, list of 80s toys, and (laughs) this is funny. I didn't know I remembered this until I saw this. Do you remember the thing you press the buttons and there's bubbles in it, and the water pushes the bubbles up? I said, I used to try to drink that water out of that thing. Like, I wanted to pop the cap off, you know, and just see. That's how smart I was. Thank you, God, for saving me. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But... Moses' will was to do good even when he got himself into hot water. You can't stop who you are. You can't hide who you are. So eventually, I'm not saying you shouldn't be refined to be a better person. I'm saying who God made you to be, though, like you can't stop it, so don't fight it. Let God, let God take you there. Let God take you there. The, the, the pressure you feel is actually resistance to God's calling. That happens at all levels of the walk. When you feel like the devil's uh, tormenting you for something that you want to do for God, it's because you're actually resisting God's call. It's really good. It's backwards from how we would think it would be. But Moses had integrity, and integrity will make us become the odd one on occasion. And God set him up in these situations so he could be pruned to God's calling in view, not the world's view. God's view. So now you can know when your problem is preparation. It was his identity. It's it's about embracing your identity. I've learned not to try to make people who they're not. I have learned to try to not become who I'm not because we all have an identity and when we try to force And identity becomes something it's not. It will never work. I'm not talking about potential. We want people to grow in their potential. That's part of finding your real identity of who God made you to be. That's called embracing your identity. And God was establishing Moses' identity here, way before. This is like the backyard of the Bible. Way before Moses got charged to lead the Israelites, which he was scared to do, This all took place. So you can look back on all the speed bumps, and you're like, I don't know why that took place in my life. Why did God do that? Why did God do that to my family? Why did he do that to my mom and dad? Why did he do that to my sister? Why did they turn out like that and I didn't? Why are we different when we came from the same place? Like all those little what we call speed bumps, for some reason God allowed to take you to where you are supposed to be. And that's what you got to do. you got to believe that because that's that's the the God-honest truth. Doesn't that sound nice when a pastor says the God-honest truth? That is the truth of the gospel. You're not there to figure out their issues and why they didn't go where you did. You're there to do what God called you to do. If they want to do what God called them to do, you keep being a witness, but God will deal with them. You keep being a witness, but you can't make them into something they're not ready to be. Mm, I could just go on there. It's like family feuding, Thanksgiving dinner. You know, like, like people don't get along. I don't know why families split and go so many different directions. And yeah, it bugs me too, but God does it for some reason. We, with the truth, have to acknowledge our identity. And everything Moses faced, he would need for future seasons. Do you see a pattern between Moses and David? Do you see a pattern between Moses, David, and Peter? Do you see a pattern between Moses, David, Peter, Jonah? We could just keep going. Even Jesus had to go through some things. Remember his temptation on the mountain? It was not easy. Remember, he cried his eyes out, take this thing from me in the Garden of Gethsemane because it wasn't easy, but it was God's uh, identity for him. He had to do it. So when you see that and you see God is continuously consistent with this pattern, you can know that your problem is process. Your problem is part of a grand ending, a grand finish. There's light at the end of this tunnel. Mm. I never grunted so much in a sermon. That's three times, Jen. It's because I'm feeling this word. It's much easier to just let everybody go. It's really hard to say, no, you're hurting you. It's hard. I don't want to always be that. I feel like God has charged me. I have to be that for my family, for my friends, for for my, my spiritual family. Like we have to be that for each other. That's why when we dedicate a baby, we call all the family in because we're saying protect this child for when they're too dumb to make a good decision. You're there to help them even when it hurts. Amen? So I'd rather tough love y'all into hating my guts than to know I slept and did nothing while you all jumped off the cliff. Does that make sense? If it was easy, everyone would do it. Remember that. Anything you go to do, if everybody on the internet is doing it, it is worthless. Supply and demand, even in God's will. Basics. So I got two little boys here, and I'm thinking about this, 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 this um, pattern of Moses. Okay, he's killing people. <laughs> he's burying people. Sounds like Tess. He's fighting with his own, his own. Siblings in the Israelite house are fighting and I've got two boys and it's pretty funny because they're totally different than my three girls and I already know it because I was one. And how many have boys? How many have more than one boy that gets to get along and do stuff with another boy? Maybe you don't have two boys but your boy, your, your boy has a friend that's another boy and then when they get together stuff happens. You know when you have boys you will never find so many holes in your house from heads. <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> that hole Head. That one, too? Yes, their head. Even at three years old, it's so hard. It's like a bowling ball at three. Yes, that was their head. Never did I hear it was Chloe's head. And God forbid Camilla's head, because that thing's still soft and still forming. You know, we got to wait till she's two before she has kneecaps or whatever the Internet says. I don't know. Forget that hogwash anyway. (laughs) But we've got... Multiple holes in our house in the drywall where it's caved from a face. We've got balusters. Somehow their heads went bowling down our steps and took out a couple balusters like bowling pins at some stage in the last 10 years. Was that Colton or KK? They don't even know because they blacked out from the Colton. Okay. Um, And so what's funny is I had a brother once. Still do, actually and and i was talking about this childhood memory and i was just telling you like that never goes away <laughs> and so so i'm now I'm like kind of sitting back watching them hurt each other and kind of laughing i mean i'm not going to let them get really hurt like you know like we say no blood no hug or whatever i'm just kidding i'm just kidding y'all but like 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 i know what's coming and i was just thinking you know you can grow up and you can you can present yourself different But at the end of the day, the Israelites still in you. And I was just thinking about how when we moved. Mom, remember when you moved to Barrett Haven? Oh, I said that on camera. Oh, boy. Better blip that out. They don't live there anymore, so that's fine. We can leave it. And so so I remember we were moving. And for some reason, me and my brother were always charged with moving this furniture that was meant for like a team of people. But somehow it was just me and him, like, you know, like 30-foot, uh, what do you call those things, armoires that would, like, crush. No wonder I had three shoulder surgeries, Jen, and all these impalements in my 30s because it was, it was residual impact from damage that mom's furniture created. Just kidding. And so we would always move stuff, me and my brother, and we had this game. Anybody, this is before I share the game, does anybody ever move stuff? Like, did they, like, you know, we had this, this game where it's called, it's called the shove game. and, like, when you're carrying something, you would, like, kind of shove it and, like, see who could almost fall is really smart, especially when you're carrying, like, a dresser you know, the mattresses, it was safe, but when you got a little cocky with that dresser, sometimes like a little violence would break out, like like a little shove, like who could who could take the shove and not drop the mom's furniture going up the steps, you know, and you're know, on one leg, and, you, and the one brother shoves the other brother. I remember, so one time, so I remember one time, this is like after we were married and grown men, and I think, I didn't have a kid yet, but there wouldn't be long, and I remember being in my mom's new master bedroom, and there's strangers there with like donuts, and everybody's having fun, and me and my brother got too carried away, and before I know rusty we're on the ground wrestling and i remember he's got my shirt over my head and i'm like he's always whooping me the baby and and i'm like how did this happen how did this happen i don't remember like going okay i'm mad at you i'm going to attack you something just happened where we just like go at it and that's what my boys do and so so i connected that because that's what happened to moses because you can't take it out. What do they say? They say, how does it, how's it go, Vince? They say, you can take the Israelite out of Egypt, but you can't take the Israel fight out of the Israelite. I don't know, something like that. Like, you can take Moses, you can call him king, you can call him Egyptian, you can call him whatever, but at the end of the day, you touch his brother, you're getting hit. Okay? I use these stories to keep you awake, to laugh a little, and to connect. It's not about me. And I could just preach a sermon on all those stories, Allison, but I'll spare y'all. Some got better, some got worse. One time he shot me in the back of the neck with a staple gun because we worked together. I know how you feel. <laughs> we used to throw trash cans at each other in the warehouse, like big old dumpsters. Like sometimes we were playing and sometimes we were like mad. And then sometimes I like, one time I threw a box cutter, I got mad, I chucked it against the wall just because I could because he was my boss. Anyway, I didn't want to share all those. It just keeps going. But we never stop loving each other. This is the same guy who took care of Courtney. You know? He's the same guy who took care of Courtney. So even when he makes me mad and I don't like him, and just, you, bleep, you know, I would never do that. I'm just saying if it was a TV show, you know. But he's, he's my brother at the end of the day. And you mess with him, you mess with Camilla. You get what I'm saying here? That was Moses. Now here he is, a grown man. It says he was grown, but he was still working towards his calling. Have you ever thanked God for growing you into a place of strength when in the moment you thought you were in hell? Anybody? Can I get a pinky? Okay, I got a full five fingers on some people. This is good. Good. God did that. God allowed that. The season was not fun, but God was shaping you into your identity. The world may reject you, but God has blessed you. And your identity reveals him through everything you've gone through. God is doing something bigger in someone today than what feels fair. Oh, it's like every Monday. I don't know. It doesn't feel fair, Jen. Is this right? God is doing, doing something bigger than all of our carnal ability to discern in this season. And he's revealing it as we go. And so that's where faith comes in. We, we just keep plowing that plow together because God's people are loyal like no other. When you mess with them, you mess with me. Like God's people is as strong as blood gets. It's a spiritual bond. And so God is trying to show us that as his church, we can't be divided even if the devil tries because at the end of the day, when you mess with them, you mess with them. And God's church, the true church, can't be divided even when we want to. God comes, Bishop Jakes, Puts a fish, a fish hook in your mouth and reels you back in, even when you want to go. Isn't that good? You can't take out of you who you are. You can't take out of you who you were meant to be. Now you can know when your problem is preparation. This, I told you how something keeps jumping out to me in these, 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 pa- these sermons. This time it was loyalty, loyalty. Now, I didn't touch as much on the second half of this Exodus reading where he was blessed because of what he continued to do anyway. He ended up getting a wife and a a child. And I'm not saying the next day was going to be good because guess what? He was going right right back into battle. But what I'm saying is God blessed him also in the story to come. They were, they were trying to kick the daughters out from the well because they were bullying men who wanted to get their water first. It really wasn't super, super deep. It's like, hey, we want to get our water for our troughs. Get out of here. It's like bullies at the playground. That's what the shepherds were doing to the daughters. And Moses is like, that ain't right. You get out of here. And so Raul, the daughter's dad, saw the integrity of a man who was willing to do anything at any time and not compromise his identity. And so he ended up giving his daughter in marriage, and they had a baby, and he named him Gershom, because I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. It sounds really uplifting, but at the end of the day, this was the beginning of the story. Now he's had to be tested. Before he was a baby, last week he was a baby. God did it. His mom, his mom and the Pharaoh's daughter, they all had a hand, but this was Moses now making decisions. Oh, this is going to get good. This is going to get good right here. How long are you going to let everybody else make your decision? Eventually, God's going to charge you to make your own decisions and quit passing it off to mommy, Pharaoh's daughter, whoever you call mom. You can blame it on the river like that. Moses, it's getting old. Okay, take accountability, Moses. So now God says you got to choose how you're going to do. And so he reacted. He behaved. And God kept guiding him, though. So at some point in your walk, you've got to quit, get off the milk and get on the meat and start making some decisions that this is what I do, and I'm going to be proud and bold in a good way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be proud in the flesh. I'm going to be bold for God because I know who I'm meant to be. People are scared to live out their Christian faith because of judgment. It doesn't mean you have to be judging. It means you have to be confident that God put it in you. If God put it in you, it's easy. God's got it. If God put it in you. Loyalty establishes the path. Loyalty establishes the path forward. Forward. Loyalty sustains. Before we were committed to God, guess what he was? He was loyal to us. The will to do whatever is right Never wavered in Moses. He was loyal regardless. I think my biggest fear, my flesh, is abandonment. As a kid, I think all the teasing, I carry that. And so when I get weak, I become that kid again. Can I just be real? Anybody else have issues or just me? Like, there's been windows in my life where I'm fearful of that. And so I get scared even as a pastor. But what's so cool is the loyalty of God's people. The biggest fear in the church is that people won't be loyal because loyalty is what establishes the path forward and the devil can get in your head and he can make you really dumb Vince not you but just people you know (laughs) you know Vince I want to tell a story can I talk about you it's good (laughs) your whole family all all y'all are so loyal like at the end of the day nothing matters I know you're going to be there with that camera I know you're going to be there you're loyal you're loyal. Jen, you're loyal too. I was calling this family out because they're all that way. I've known Vince my whole life. My whole life. And I told Vince, I said, sometimes I don't like what you do, and I'm really transparent. I said, like we're, we're siblings almost. And, and I, say, I say, but at the end of the day, I said, having Vince there always calms me down because it's like that loyalty that bloodline, that dedication, it goes back to before I even knew in the womb. Like, that's what I'm saying. That keeps me going. So, that's how God's people are meant to be. And you guys are a stellar example of that. I mean that with all my heart. You guys are a stellar example of that. Everybody has a gift, and I think that is a gift of your family. And it goes on to other people in that family. And, you know, I'm just saying it matters. Because without that, the path can't go forward. Moses treated every situation with the same honest intent, and that's what God will bless, is an honest intent to do what's right. It's not about me. It's about him. It doesn't always feel fair. It don't need to. Because at the end of the day, I'm focused on God's call. I'm focused on God's direction. It doesn't matter if it got misinterpreted. You know, we learn, we move on, but at the end of the day, this is God's call. And that's why it's special. Because at the end of this life, we're gonna look back and know we did this thing together. We did it together. When no one, no one, no one, you know, they, they just didn't reciprocate like we wanted, you know, Vince? But we did it together. I remember standing in that trailer and Vince got mad at me because I was taking too long while his fingers were freezing. Way back in 2018. And it's funny because that's just family. And, and, and we did it together. And we, we were putting gas in the, in the generators and running five air dances across Liberty, uh, Summer's Road and doing crazy stuff in the middle of winter. Couldn't feel our fingers. But we did it together and we knew we would be accountable and do it together and show up. We were loyal. And there's, there's, everybody in here has been that way. Mike, Christine, Nate, like it just keeps going. It's so good. That's what it's about. Y'all can stand. I want to tell you a closing thought here about staying loyal. You will find glory. I can I can preach to that. I can witness to that. Some of my greatest growths in my family's life, not to get like prosperity on you, but financially, uh, uh, establishment, like all these things were under big, big rejection. Big rejection. And I could go into that, but I'm saying that is not a problem. That is progress. It's not a problem. It's only a problem if you walk away from it. If you don't do nothing about it. But when you can address it directly, you grow. You grow. And it's so good. I've been talking a lot about my family today and and my brother. And and I hate talking about me and these, but I don't know what else to do sometimes. But the same brother who took Courtney off me is the same brother who used to Put my face in the carpet and tell me to toughen up. You know, I hated him at times. Hated him at times. I didn't think I could hate family. I thought I hated my brother at times because I didn't understand his love for me. Is the same brother who then we became best friends when I got in college and on we became best friends. Did everything together. He became a mentor, an influencer. He's a godly man. He he influenced me. He took me down a direction of ministry at times. And then I had this really bad car wreck in 2018, 2019. I'm getting old, man. It was it 2019? And I got, I got. The church was going good, and I was just, just mad at the world because some guy t-boned me at Lake St. Louis. I've talked about it, but I didn't have my phone. So, like Elon Musk, we're robots, and without a phone, I don't know what to do. I remembered. One person, one number immediately, that was my brother. So I had the witness call my brother. Guess who was first on the scene? My brother. And he can, he can witness to this. I think he covered this in the dedication for Camilla, that no matter what life has come our way, no matter there's been times where the space was greater, there's been time where the hands were clasped, there's been times where there's been distance. At the end of the day, you mess with one, you mess with the other. The loyalty never will go away. Never. It's different because it's like talking about your mama. Like you talk about my mama, like my mama, like we can, you know, whatever, like Italian fights. But you talk about, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody messes with your family. uh Uh-uh. That is what God's people are meant to be, no matter what. They're family, they're loyal, and they stick it through, and that's how we see glory on the other side. Let's just bow our heads and pray for a minute. God, we just give thanks. We rebuke the devil in the spirit of doubt, the spirit of adolescence that maybe crippled us as a child, but as a man, as the Bible says, I threw away childish things because now I'm wiser than that. I'm wiser to know that anything you provide, you will keep. And then if you called it, you will provide your sheep. You will provide your family. You will provide your, your love, your grace, your mercy, your provision. And I pray, God, that we don't let our earthly minds get in the way of something so godly that was never ours to begin with. This is yours, God. One seed church is yours, God. It's yours. And God, we just pray as a church that we never lose sight, that this mission is elevated by calling and nothing else. We love it. We have fun. We do fun stuff before and after, but at the end of the day, this is a calling loyal to God's people as you've been loyal to us all the way to the cross. Let us never forget that. We give thanks for that, God. We can have peace in that, that you never left us. You'll never abandon us. Just because they didn't understand and they walked away when, you know, they, they, they said they loved me and they walked away. Like, you will never do that. We don't have to live in that. We don't have to live like that. Because you are the only father that we can have that is truly there forever and ever and ever and ever. And we give praise now. We lift up our voice of adoration as we worship now. We give thanks now. We, we glorify your name because your name is holy. You are Jesus Jehovah saves, because he shall save his people from their sins. That when you name something, it's because there's a calling behind it. There's a reason you named the Messiah this. There's a reason you came, because there's no greater love than to lay down your life for one's friend, as a friend, as a family. There's no greater love than to go and die for them. We died we die together for you right now, God, at the feet of your cross, God. We, we give you glory now. We died to the flesh. And we walk in the spirit and we will triumph and we'll keep pushing this plow and the world's going to see it. We believe it. We claim it now. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.